I don't usually do this, but I want to read the scripture first. It's Genesis 23. If you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles and read along with me, it's a short chapter. Sarah lived to be 127 years old, and she died at Cariath Arbor, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. And then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I'm a foreigner and stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial here so that I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You're a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of tombs. None of us will refuse you his tomb for burying your dead. And then Abraham rose and bowed down before the people of the land, the Hittites, and he said to them, If you're willing to let me bury my dead, then listen to me and intercede with Ephron, son of Zohar, on my behalf. So he'll sell me the cave of Machpelah, which belongs to him and is at the end of his field. Ask him to sell it me for the full price as a burial site among you. Ephron the Hittite was sitting among his people, and he replied to Abraham in the hearing of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city. No, my lord, he said, listen to me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave that's in it. I give it to you in the presence of my people. Bury your dead. And again, Abraham bowed down before the presence of the people of the land, and he said to Ephron in their hearing, listen to me, if you will, I will pay the price of the field. Accept it from me so that I can bury my dead there. And Ephrod answered Abraham, Listen to me, my lord, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver. But what's that between you and me? Bury your dead. So Abraham agreed to Ephron's terms and weighed out for him the price he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 400 shekels of silver, according to the weight according current among the merchants. So Ephron's field in Mechvelah, near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the border of the field was deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites who had come to the gate of the city. And afterward, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which is at Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And so the field and the cave in it were deeded to Abraham by the Hittites as a burial site. I've been stewing over this scripture for three weeks thinking about uh, a way to sort of get a sermon out of it. It was sort of like a, um, a homiletical Where's Waldo of um, somewhere in here, if I look hard enough, um, I, uh, something is going to jump out at this. I actually um, I was thinking about the different words you see in there. Mourning, I think the word mourning, but that's not really the theme of this. Um, the respect that he wants to pay to Sarah, which is, which is sort of a theme, but you know, cooperation with the neighbors, you know, what jumped out at me because of what my career had been is I, I saw here a real estate transaction. Um, didn't have a lot of power to it. I talked to Steve last week at the, um, at the uh, get-together. What do we call it? The hangout. The hangout. The hangout get-together. And um, as I was mentioning that to him, he, he mentioned, um, let the dead bury the dead. And I was really grateful for that. And I carried that around with me for a week. And I just, every place I went with that, I hit a dead end, and it just came back to me. I wasn't getting anywhere with it. So now it's Saturday when I write all my sermons. And it came to me then, this is, this is what's in here, where Abraham said to the Hittites, I am a stranger and an alien residing among you. 
Now, historically, what's going on here is that we have Abraham in the land of Canaan, which we know eventually is going to be given by God to the people of Israel, but not yet. That doesn't happen until um, after they come through the Red Sea and they spend the 40 years wandering through the, um, uh, through the uh, wilderness. And um, Moses watches uh, Caleb and the others go across, and they take occupation of the land. But as it is, uh, he has this little tiny corner of it, and that's all that, um, that's all that he comes away with out of, out of the land of Canaan. But he doesn't belong there. And he said, I'm a stranger and a sojourner. I, I live here, but I don't belong here. I live among you, but I'm not one of you. And I think about that. Um, that sounds familiar to us as Christians, right? Get the connection because what we are told over and over again is that we don't belong here. We are assigned here. We are posted here in a foreign land with foreign rules, with, with um, foreign influences, where we try to remain true to the place that is our home, where our Lord lives, where our Lord dwells, according to the rules that he gives us. And as we come into uh, the, the, the world and we encounter it, we're working very hard. We've mentioned this a lot over the past uh, months, is that we don't want to get tainted by it. We don't want to get swayed by it. We don't want the ways of the world to look so good to us that in order to fit in, we go along with them. And we have, we have that here also, not just as Christians, but I mean, I know that Arnold is not where a lot of you were raised, right? Arnold isn't home. You moved here from someplace else, wherever you were raised, and you come here and you learn the ropes. You find out where, where it is that you can get really great curry, who has a good dry cleaning, um, when it is you have to avoid Route 50 and the Severn River Bridge. You learn all the things about what it means to, be, to live around here so that you can get along and that life is a little bit sweeter. Um, but I also know that a lot of us are thinking about the day when we can go back home, uh, either to a place that we grew up, a place that uh, was very dear to us, or maybe to a place that um, we sort of hold out as paradise on earth, and when the time comes, that's where I'm going. Um, we're doing that, right? Eight, nine, whenever my pension kicks in, 2050. And we'll be uh, looking for a place where we, want to, where we want to go. But the other thing is, we as Christians, of course, recognize that um, the home that we're looking to is a home not built with hands. So Abraham was a stranger in his country. It wasn't his land. He doesn't belong there. The church has been going through this sort of identity crisis for a long, long time. I'm, always, I'm interested in church history. I look at the where, where the church is now. I've talked about this a number of times, and I'm trying not to get to be too much of a, um, of, of a Scotty one-note on this. But the, um, the idea of the, of the church and how it has become cozy with the, with the culture, how it's become cozy with the society, how it looks to the government uh, oftentimes to do the work that the church should be doing. I've been, I've been talking about this for a, a good while. And I wonder, like, in the, in the book of Acts, we look at the book of Acts and we see what the church was like in its early days. We read Paul's epistles, we read John's epistles, Peter's letters to the church, and we hear the kind of things they're teaching the church and what the church should be doing, and we look at what it is now. And one of the things that hit me like a ton of bricks about a year ago is this doesn't look anything sort of like the, the church that they have looks so alien to us. They're doing so many things that we don't do. There's so much that, they, um, uh, that is, are part of their lives. They have so much energy, so much power, so much influence, and they're, they're standing for God and conquering the uh, powers of principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, it's been go- it's, uh, 
you know, when did that begin to, to be lost? And I found two things which I had never heard of uh, that were written around 150 A.D. The first one is a book called The, the Shepherd of Hermas. And it says this, You know that you who are servants of God are dwellers in a foreign land as on a pilgrimage because your city is far away from this city. And if therefore you recognize and acknowledge your city, the city where you're to dwell, why do you prepare here fields and expensive displays and buildings and superfluous houses? The person who prepares these things for this city does not intend on returning to his own city. And it begins to talk about where our loyalties lie and how easy it is to just wake up one day and just uh, uh, realize that maybe the, the ways of the world here uh, where the, as we pray about this, the ways of the Lord here have just really become our ways. And we wonder how we're going to get away from it. How are we going to escape? How are we going to cast it off? What is it going to be like to live among people and not be like them? And deliberately not be like them? Uh, to literally uh, be a representative of God from his citizenship out to the uh, world that is pushing back in a different direction and trying to get to go along. The world gets angry, as do a lot of people. We don't like to be disagreed with. The world doesn't either. Uh, we take that hard. We, um, uh, we, we like the idea of, of uh, open discussion, but when people disagree with us on some things, sometimes it's, uh, you know, when, when the rubber hits the road, it's, it's hard to take. I told Denise the other day, I had something happen to me that's never happened to me before. I heard a song that touched me so deeply that I wouldn't tell her about it. In fact, I won't tell anybody about it, and the reason is because I, the, the idea that somebody might not like this song, I, could, I can't stand it. So I'm just going to, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I've, have, has, that, have, has anything ever affected you so deeply that you knew that, that if you shared it with somebody else, they weren't going to get it, that you would just be wasting your time, that ever, that's as important it is to you, I'm not going to be able to make the connection. If you haven't been through the experiences that I've been through, if you don't have the particular temperament that I have, this is just not going to hit you the same way. And it's so important to me, I don't think that I could, I could share it. And I couldn't stand the rejection. I couldn't stand the confusion. I couldn't stand the, um, the apathy that I would run into. And I've been thinking that's, that's sort of like me with God. Um, I only know how to share Christ with people who already know him. For better or worse... That is, uh, when, when I have to, to um, go to a person, now if, if a person wants to know him, a person really empties themselves, I got to know, I have to know. This whole thing, I, I can't live my life this any, anymore, tell me what you know about God, tell me what you know, That's, that, that I can do. But a person who is, who is a, a skeptic, the person who is an opponent, a person who is on the attack, I don't know what to say to them. And what, it, what, me, what uh, Christ means to me is I share with other people, I know it's just not going to connect. And to, and to say something that is life to me to somebody who doesn't get it and watch them just shake their heads or roll their eyes or something else, I can't take it. You, I, I, if you ever, I guess everybody likes to know, my hot button is rolling your eyes. I cannot stand it. I cannot tolerate people rolling. I just can't stand it. Um, and to have them roll their eyes at me when I'm talking about Jesus and what he's done for me, I don't even want to risk it. My failing but I also know that as we are to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, we have to be faithful in this way. There's another letter about, it happened about, right about the same time. This is an epistle of a, a gentleman named Mathetes 
Christians dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. They bear their share of all responsibilities as citizens, and they endure all hardships as strangers. Every foreign country is a homeland to them, but every homeland is yet foreign. Their existence is on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. As we listen to what's on TV these days, and we hear what people are saying, we hear people speak about what's important to them and what matters to them and what they think should be important to us. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a tremendous disconnect from what I hear on TV. I don't hear very much at all of anything that really touches me with what is my priority, where my priorities are. And it becomes apparent to me later on that maybe I, I also am relying too much upon the world to, to do things for me or to do things for the church or to do, do things for Christ, the, the things that are important to me. And say, maybe, um, maybe we really have to start acknowledging what we're seeing here is a world that we cannot fit into and it's, a, and it's obvious now that we can't fit into it. Is this the world you want? You hear the stuff on TV. Is this the world you want to be a part of? Is there something about this that makes you run to what you're hearing and say, I, this, this now is my new priority. This is now the new center of my life. This rings my chimes. The kind of conversation we hear about a guy who's, who's talking with somebody because they have small hands. Have you ever heard anything like that in your whole life? Is, is, is that a criticism? <laughs> Um, what are we up to? What, is, what, is our, what are our priorities? What, is, um, what do we do in a strange land? We are, we are, we are um, posted here as a, sort of an advance guard. Um, and maybe, um, if I dare say it, an occupying force um, that is supposed to come in and begin to be like leaven working through the whole loaf. And we do this, of course, um, to God's glory, but because of our faith. Remember that Abraham, the person we were talking about uh, in in Genesis, in this stage of our our lesson, is that we remember that Abraham, it was credited to him as faith because of of his righteousness. His very righteousness, uh, uh, God credited him as faith. And it brings us back to the idea of Abraham's faith. Abraham acting in faith, going to this place. The reason he was in Canaan in the first place is because he was faithful to God's call to get up from where he went, leave everything behind, and go to a land where that, uh, the Lord will show him. And this is where he ended up. He goes in faith. And I think that when we start talking about faith, including Abraham's faith, we can't do much better than the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11 in particular, starting with verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And here's the transition. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. 
They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. And if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, and therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Think of the the, the old song, um, uh, Standing on the Promises of God. We're standing on the promises of God, and sometimes in our selfishness, our self-centeredness, and because of our our finitude, um, we think about the things that we pray for as though we're going to see them ourselves. Uh, A lot of the things that we are living for, a lot of the things that the Lord is working with, with us, and working toward, uh, we're not not going to see. Um, I shouldn't say that, should I? The rapture could come before I get back to the the stand. I don't know, I don't know when it's coming, and so failure number two for today. I I am assuming it is a long way off, and I'm living like it's a long way off. That I have time to uh, to sort of uh, straighten up and fly right and to get rid of all the things that I, the, all my sins that I, I have time to do that. The rapture is not coming for for what. 20, the year 2300, I don't know when it's going to come, as do, do any of us. But we live as though it's coming, knowing that it's coming, holding on to the promise and holding on to our faith in the Lord who is our, um, who is our Savior and our Lord with the idea that it is, it is going to happen, that it is a promise that is good, and that because it is a promise that is good, we need to live our lives in a particular way because the Lord is working towards us, building towards that time. It reminds me of the... Um, uh, another old hymn, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I love that song. Um, and I wish I had thought about it before uh, 10 o'clock this morning so I could have told Bill if he would be willing to, to play it this morning. Um, the Lord works with me. I'm, I'm editing this. I, <laughs> Denise came down the stairs and I showed her the sermon. I said, uh, God's been at work. Had marks all over the place. Editing, he, he works right up to the, he works right up to the time that I stand up here. Um, it's not my job to tell the Lord that He said all to me that He's going to say. Um, but I remember that we. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. And the promise that the Lord has made to us is that He is coming to take us home. The main promise that he has said to us is that he is coming to take us home. In the meantime, he is with us in ways that we can barely fathom as as human beings. We can't fathom. He is here inside of us in his fullness, all of his fullness. All of the fullness of God dwells within us. His power, his holiness, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his grace, his love, his wisdom, everything all present all at once, working within us. What he, is, what he is doing with us is enabling us to live the kind of life in a world which is opposed to him, and opposed to us, by the way, because we're on God's side. Um, that we stand here and then um, allow the Lord to use us for his, his purpose. And if you want to know whether or not the world is um, uh, sort of eager to hear this message, you'll know soon enough when you start speaking about it. 
um, that when the topic, there's, there are people who know when you start to bring up the topic of Jesus, they can smell it coming a mile away and they will cut the, the conversation off or change the subject. Have you had this happen? Happens to me all the time. Uh, there's a, um, there are a couple people that I know in, uh, that they get, they get a big kick out of coming to my, uh, past me or in my, hear shop, uh, in my hearing, um, trashing the church or trashing the Lord or trashing faith or whatever. They get, you know, I say, this can't be, I, I don't think they have this conversation everywhere in the building. This is for my benefit. This is to make sure that they know where I stand. So I do not go into their office and start evangelizing to them. That when you are a Christian, they are scared to death, you're going to bring Jesus up. And this is something that they simply, uh, they, they, in, a, in a secular setting, in a worldly setting, it simply is something that um, most people are not willing to tolerate. We are, we are strangers in a foreign land, living by faith for the promise that is to come, but the promise that is already here because the kingdom is already among you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, stir up within us the love for you, the abundant love for you, the faith in you, that uh, understanding, Lord, that we belong to you, that we are protected, that we are shielded, and that, Lord, truly we do uh, find favor with you as we honor and glorify you for your sake. Help us to remember, Lord, the people that oppose you. Help us to remember how much you love them. How much to rem- help us to remember how much you would enfold them in your arms were they to repent and come running to you. Help us to remember that you died for them as well and that they are welcome here, Lord, if indeed they will but turn from their ways and come to you. Help us, Lord, to be truly your instruments. Cleanse us, Lord, of the things that um, hinder us. Cleanse us, Lord, from the things um, that within us that cause us, Lord, to hesitate or to hold back or to reconsider our stance. Whatever it is that we do, Lord, that keeps us from being effective for you, deliver us from it and throw down these strongholds. Send us out into the world, Lord, as people who belong to you and all that it means to belong to you, your strength, your power, your righteousness, your goodness, the joy that we have from living with you. Remind us of this always and use us, Lord, for your purpose. Go into the, into the world, therefore, as representatives of Christ, strangers in a strange land, beloved of God, for the purpose of spreading his gospel to all people. Uh, go in peace. Amen.